Season two of the ESPN Investigates podcast is now available. The Running Man tells the story of an obscure former Olympian and alleged serial sexual predator and how a 14-month ESPN investigation brought him out of the shadows. More than 50 men were physically abused and mentally manipulated by their quote-unquote coach for over 40 years, and they banded together decades later to find justice. Subscribe and listen now to ESPN Investigates wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast, where it is a Monday afternoon on the East Coast. We are eight days removed from the Los Angeles Lakers winning their 17th NBA title. A phraseology I know my next guest really loves to hear. The Lakers with 17 NBA titles. So it's time to start talking about the offseason because the offseason is here. And there is no one I'd rather talk trades, free agency, rumblings with then my old boss from the Ringer, from the Bill Simmons podcast, Mr. Bill Simmons, how are you? It's twelve titles. It's not seventeen. Yes, there we go. Right off the right off the top. Well, they count the five Minneapolis ones. One of which wasn't even an NBA title. It was like the ABL, or it was like a different league. Whatever. If they if they need to count titles that didn't happen in Los Angeles to make themselves feel better about the Celtics rivalry, that's fine. They can have it. Are you nervous about next season? Because if they get 18, I don't know what Boston fans are going to do if they just don't, if they at least don't co-share the all-time, the all-time number. I don't know what, what they're going to do. All the Boston fans know the real number is 17. 17 titles won by the Boston Celtics in Boston. And there you go. We still have the title. Hey, put it this way. I said this on my podcast. If they're going to count the five Minneapolis titles, then why isn't George Mikan's jersey retired? Is it not Explain reti- that to I don't me, know. Zach Lowe. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't paid attention to the jersey retirement. They should retire it. Yeah. That's my thing. It, like, if you're going to recognize and embrace and, let's be honest, take this history that didn't happen until you got to Los Angeles, then, then embrace it. But, you know, here's the case. Does OKC count the Seattle Supersonics 1979 title? If you're an OKC fan, you're like, well, we have one. We won in Seattle in 79. Would anyone say that in OKC? Does anyone feel feels, like, man, remember when off. Gus Williams won us a title? Enough, enough. Okay. We, can't, we can't talk about the offseason, which I'm, I cannot wait to talk about the offseason. I'm so excited. Uh, we, we first should probably talk about like when next season is going to start. Mm. What have you heard, Mr. Simmons? I know you talked about it towards the end of your pod last week. What, what do we got? Yeah, I talked about it on the, on the Sunday pod. I had thought... And I'm sure I heard the same stuff you'd heard that they they were really adamant about trying to get fans in the stands and were willing to push it to March, April if they had to, so there could be, you know, better chance for a vaccine, all that stuff. I, I think what's starting to happen, and they're starting to talk to people this week and they're gonna talk to the networks, things like that, is they're starting to realize that this season is screwed to some degree, no matter when it starts, because even if they start in March, there's no guarantee they would be able to have a lot of people in the building anyway. What they really care about is the season after that, the 21-22 season and preserving what that looks like. That's the bounce back. That's the bounce back. That's the bounce back year where you get the 100% of, of the bang for your buck, the whole thing. So thinking that, it makes sense if they started on Christmas, latest Martin Luther King weekend. And you had a shorter schedule, maybe it's 72 games, maybe it's 70, whatever. You got rid of the all-star break and you made that like a five-month sprint. 
you did some stuff like they've, I think they've learned from the bubble stuff that, um, you know, if Denver comes to LA to play the Lakers and Clippers, but then has another Lakers game in the schedule, maybe just keep them in LA, bang out all of their at LA games at once versus having them come back twice. I think they've learned the travel thing was a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe they're doing that wrong and maybe there's ways to fix that. So you go 70, 72 games, no all-star break. And let's say you start the latest Martin Luther King weekend. That's a five month sprint. You're done. Uh, you know, end of, let's say end of June. Is that end of May? End of June? If you're really going to do it all in five months, it's end. Of, it's it's around that. Yeah, I mean, it's right. it's end of June. I mean, if you're doing it really everything in five months, that's when you're done. And then ten, nine or ten weeks for the playoffs, and you're done. They don't want to go against football again. They got trounced with the ratings. At the election cycle, it's something to do with it. I think uh, there's a lot of factors that we don't have to go into, but they need to finish in time to start the next season at a normal thing. And maybe that's a shorter schedule. Maybe that starts in mid-November. But here's what we know. When the finals are in June and the offseason is in July, they own that part of the schedule. They own those two months. And the closer you get toward August, September, the more you're threatening that. And they need to get back to the balance of that. So I'm going to be really interested in following all the conversations over these next eight to 10 days when their owners are talking to each other, when they're talking to the networks. How do we handle this 2021 season so that we don't compromise 21-22 at all? Because we need to make 100% of our money in 21-22. Yeah, I was asked last week in a different venue, what's your prediction for the season? When does it start? What does it look like? And I said Martin Luther King Day because I don't think, I think waiting till March is a perfect, is the enemy of good situation where you where you wait so long hoping for fans and you get there and you're like, well, we're still not going to be able to have fans. What did we just blow all this time for? And in terms of fans, I, I do think they still want fans next season. I don't know if it's going to be, I think in some places it might be 2,000 or whatever capacity you deem safe. In some markets, it still might be no fans. I think they're just going to have to see whether the rapid testing is, see where the virus is. I think they want fans. And I, so I said, Martin Luther King, fans, and exactly what you said about travel. I don't know how they get to 82. Maybe they don't. But I would expect something like you play, if you play X percent of your games now against your own division, that's tripled next season or whatever the case may be, just to get the games in and you figure the fans out as you go and then you have a playoffs. And I agree with you. I think they do. The only, it's not even good news. The only news that made me like a little bit happy to come at, coming out of all this is when Adam Silver said before game one of the finals, I think we've learned that this idea that we should move from Christmas till August or whatever till September is, is probably not for us. And we need to get back to the, to the old schedule. And I, I did a little silent on behalf of everyone who has kids. I did a little fist pump for my summer trips because that they, those were all at grave risk. And now maybe they're at less grave risk. I think the ideal scenario, which we've talked about really since we worked together at Grantland is 70 or 72 games and it starts third week in November. So you've, you've gotten past the first 10 weeks of the NFL season at least. And then you do a 70 game sprint and you met, you're much smarter about travel and you try to get the playoffs so that, you know, let's say the finals goes all the way to the last week of June 
and then you have the draft like July 2nd, and then you have your off season all the way through July, you still win all of June and all of July. And those have been the key months for the league. I mean, we've seen it just like in our, at the ringer with our podcast and, and website traffic, like the off season in a lot of ways is as popular as the regular season. Well, you, and, you know that I never want to see the numbers for anything. You remember I know. I, ne- <laughs> I never want to see the numbers, but the old, one of the things I know is that we could have game seven of the finals, LeBron and like Jordan comes out of retirement to play for the other team in game seven of the finals. I don't think my podcast previewing that game would do as many numbers as the podcast I did the day after Kawhi Leonard and Paul George went to the Clippers. That's still the most popular. Right. Like all I know is that that podcast is number one of all the ones I've ever done, and I don't think it's close. And I bet numbers two to ten are probably about off season and trade stuff too. Well, and then if you're the NBA, like baseball has declined in kind of a general day to day interest every year. You saw this weekend. You saw Joe Buck, who announces baseball for Fox and also does football for them. They take him off game seven of Dodgers Braves winner goes to the world series and they put him on week six Packers bucks. Well, Bill, I mean, this is why, this is why your small town podunk Boston Red Sox can't afford to pay Mookie Betts. Oh, you know, that, this, that's, that's, this is going to get dark fast. If we talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm not even following it. I just know that I'm supposed to make fun of every Red Sox fan about Mookie Betts. I just, I don't even know. I know he made some catches. That's all I know. I think, I think uh, the NBA, all of this will eventually lead to a long-term good. If the schedule is shorter, if they can really figure out that mid November, all the way through June thing. And, Honestly, like, like I think pot becomes legal in the next collective bargaining agreement because that was another that was another lesson we learned from from this bubble. They weren't testing for pot. Could that have been one of the factors that quality play was better? Maybe. Uh, Recovery. Well, look, if you're gonna force, if you're gonna have force as strong because the players agree to it, if you're going to have players live in the bubble in in Disney World for three and a half months. Got to make some allowances. Got to loosen some rules. And I'll tell you what else is going. What else should be uh, part of this discussion, Mr. Simmons? Is you can take your victory lap because the play-in tournament should be a thing. And I think the NBA. Yeah. I think it was already trending that way for a couple of years. And I think seeing Phoenix make a run at it, seeing Brooklyn and Memphis. I'm sorry, Portland and Memphis. Portland having to win that last game against Brooklyn, and then the Memphis play. Like I just think the buzz for that. It, it like we'll always remember Phoenix in the bubble because of the possibility of a play-in tournament, and I think that to me has always been a no-brainer. It's easy. It, it requires very little heavy lifting at the end of the regular season. So that's another to to add to this discussion. That's another thing that I think should happen. Well, especially if you're going to shorten the schedule, it allows a team. Let's say you lose Damian Lillard for the first 35 games of the year because he had some injury. And now he's back, and now you're fighting to get back in the playoffs anyway. It at least allows you not to have your season completely Sabrina. And the thing is, like, that Portland-Memphis game was really fun, that playing game. I really enjoyed it. it. It felt like a playoff game. I think we learned a lot about a couple of the guys. Like, for John Morant, that was an incredibly important game for him as a player. He had a bad first half and kind of figured it out and was a monster in the second half. But... I'm all for like that kind of stuff. And you think like ultimately that was a completely meaningless game, right? Portland advances and gets demolished by the Lakers, but it was still fun. And it was still a playoff thing. It was something to watch. It got people talking. And uh, I think that seven, 10, eight, nine playing thing where basically you have to beat the higher seed twice 
is a really cool gimmick. I, yeah, I like it. They, they've figured out a good way, a, a good method of doing that while still giving the seven and eight seeds. Now, I think, and I think even in this scenario, they discovered that there might be a year where the seventh seed should not be in the playing tournament, that they're too good for the playing tournament as Dallas was this year. And so you just, I think you build yourself the flexibility to say, okay, this year it's going to be eight, nine, and 10 or eight to 11 or whatever it is. I, because I do think if you get a scenario where seven is eight games better than eight or something like right. that, I, I don't think it's fair to shoehorn that team who's way closer to third than they are to eighth into a playing tournament. Yeah, it should be, depending on how long the schedule is going to be ultimately, it should be an eight-game difference, a 10-game difference, something like that. And if they can get a 10-game lead over the next team, that will also make teams like that give them more stakes for the end of the season. To me, it's all about stakes for teams in that last third of the season, which perennially sucks, where you have eight to 10 teams throwing away their seasons. And to your point, they did that on the bottom end with, with, you know, you have to be within four games to make a play-in tournament. They did that at the bottom end with the East and with Washington not being able to make a play-in tournament. So they, they have built that in. All right, enough about that. Let's go to the offseason. Yeah. Because it's been a long time since we have had an offseason. <laughs> a long if, time. It's been, what, 16, 17 months? It's been a long time. 16 months. We haven't had a trade in a long time. Long time since we've had a trade. Um, I think this offseason promises to be pretty interesting despite the lack of huge names in free agency. And I think the reason it's interesting right off the bat is we have a weird draft where, according to my draft Nick people, there's a clear top three and then a little bit of a drop off. But at the same time, no one is like super jonesing to get into the top three. And right. more, more uniquely than that, we have a number one, a team picking number one in Minnesota and a team picking number two in Golden State that to some degree, would be willing to trade down. And that's very unusual that the top two teams in the draft would be willing to trade down. And it's triply unusual that one of those two teams is trying to win the NBA championship in the upcoming season, and that's Golden State. So I think any discussion of the offseason has to start with Golden State at the number two pick. We can talk about, as we go, what kind of intel we've heard on what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do. But clearly they are going to investigate trade trading down from number two, um, that's they've that's been all over the place. So Picasso of the trade machine, mm. Picasso emeritus of the trade machine. I don't know what you are at this point. Emeritus should be built into your title somewhere. Um, give me give me your favorite, or we'll start wherever you want. But I would say give me your favorite Golden State trades, the second pick trade. Well, one thing with this draft, which I love, normally the playoffs start, the finals end, and the drafts like four days later. Boom. And you just kind of have to on the fly get ready for it. This time, these teams have been preparing for the draft since like March. They're legitimately bored. They're, they're actually yeah. bored. The front office people are like, I just don't, there's nothing else I can do. Like, how many more times can you look at Killian Hayes' game against Lithuania in the under 18 classic? So you have on the one hand, they're almost overwatching and over evaluating all of these guys. But on the other hand, they can't interview them. They can't be, they can't see them in person. They can't get like that person to person interaction that I think is really important for a lot of teams. So I think we could see some of the craziest um, picks and, you know, for like somebody like Kevin O'Connor's mock draft versus where the guys will actually go. I think there's going to be more variance than ever, not to mention it's like 2013, which 
Nobody knows who the top pick is. Everybody has different guys in the top three. So then you have Golden State, who has really the this the only time I can think of a comparison of this was Miami in the Michael Beasley draft when they were two years away from winning a title. Uh, they had traded Shaq, but they still had Dwayne Wade, and they still they still had the foundation of a potential championship team if they nailed the pick right. So you have that draft. And they don't know what to do with two. They end up, they take Beasley, which they shouldn't have. That was a draft that had Westbrook and Kevin Love in it, I think. Um, but just to have a team that can add a top three pick to a team that I think everybody feels like at least has to be considered a contender. Well, um, it's, 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 when you really go back and look like the Lakers had a chance like this in the 80s, the Celtics had a chance like this in the 80s, it's a really rare, precious thing to pick this high when you're still good. And that's why I've always thought it's not a no-brainer for me that they should trade the pick because if you love a guy that's going to be there, you give yourself a chance to get the bridge player to the next era, which you almost never get in this kind of way when you're toward the top of the league. And they've got that chance now. Now, whether they like anybody at number two enough to do that or or whatever, I, I don't know. But um, it is... Well, it, I think what's weird it, for them... The the superstar guys are the guys who people feel like I, the ceiling is potential superstar. Now whether that'll happen, who the who the hell knows? But I think Edwards, the guard, and Lamelo Ball are the two that are like the ceiling guys. Those are two guys that make no sense at all for Golden State, like ze- like literally zero. So then you look at James Wiseman, who was going to be the number one pick heading into the draft, had this weird college career where he played like one game. Um on paper, the kind of guy they would need, but nobody's 100% sold on him. So I'm with you. It actually makes more sense for them to either trade back or make a big trade with well, the pick. And and I think we've both come up with some fake ones. Well, the simplest one is involving Wiseman because you have a team sitting at third that really would like a center, and that's Charlotte. And so the easiest move-up trade to make or the one that is like requires the least mental gymnastics is Charlotte giving you number three plus something to move up to number two or number one, similar to the Boston-Philly trade with Tatum and Fultz? Because I think Charlotte would love a shot at Wiseman, and it just makes sense. You look at their roster. Could you just, is it as simple as like, could you get Miles Bridges plus number three for, for as the price for trading down one spot or something? I think that's, I think that's a deal that, to, depending on what Charlotte wants, I think that's a deal that could make some sense. That's an easy one. That's almost that's almost too easy to be fun to make up. So I think Wiseman, because I've seen him like five, I've seen him seven in mock drafts. I think he is 100% top three. I'd be shocked if he didn't go top three because we've seen this. This happens in football and basketball. You have a cluster of basically too many of one type of player in this draft, and there's not nearly enough of guys like him. So somebody will always talk themselves and like Charlotte can look at this and go, oh man, it'd be nice if he panned out and we had like an awesome rim runner. And, and, the, two, and the two teams above them play some misdirection. They make Charlotte scared that he's not going to be there. Maybe Charlotte's fine with whoever the consolation prize is, but if they really want him and the price is Miles Bridges, then I think that's, a, that's an easy discussion to start to have. Well, what if Minnesota wants him? Same thing, same kind of deal. Then you just trade up to one and you whatever Minnesota. But well, I think Minnesota might just take him though. And I think that's I my feeling is that he's the only guy Golden State would take at that spot. I have no inside info. 
Um, and if he's not there at two, they probably trade down. Well, the reason I w- the reason I want to start with Golden State instead of Minnesota is because, um, well, I, I mean, one team is objectively a little more interested than the other team. But if you're going to trade down from a pick this high, Golden State is in the position where they could at least talk themselves into a deal where they get veteran role players and some future assets to fill in a team that's already really good. Minnesota is going to trade the number one pick. I would assume if it's not a deal like that when we just discussed with Charlotte, where you still get a, the, one of the guys you want in the draft, I would assume you're trading it for a stud because your roster is not devoid of talent because they have talented Russell, but not talented enough in an absolutely loaded Western Conference. Like the Warriors, sure, they'd love to get Brad Beal for number two. They're not going to, right? But the Wolves, they like need to get a player of that caliber if you're going to trade it for a veteran. So I think the Warriors just have more optionality and are more fun to talk about. They'll have an easier time trading down if they're motivated to do it. Well, one thing that's good with both of them, each of them have an important trade machine piece to put in the trade, right? Minnesota has James Johnson's expiring next year. He's going to opt in 16.1 million. So if you combine that with, you know, whoever, another four to $5 million contract that they have, and they have a couple of them, like Jake Lehman and people like that, you can now get somebody in that Oladipo salary range, right? More than Where that. You- they also have 17. Yeah. Um, and so could you, like, what does James Johnson plus number 17 get you? I mean, th- th- I think that's another way they can go. But anyway, start at the top. Right. So they have that. Golden State has even more because they have the 17.2 trade exception that expires basically right after the draft. They had to use some chicanery with that. Then they have the Wiggins contract, which is almost $30 million. So it, we just have to mention that. And then we have Minnesota's top three protected 2021 pick that they have that becomes unprotected in 2022. So it's funny. The easiest trade to me, if Golden State really wanted Wiseman and Minnesota's like, we're going to trade him to Charlotte unless you move up, Golden State just sw- flips spots with Minnesota and changes the protections on that pick. Because okay, Minnesota like owes them top three 2021. It's unprotected 2022. Maybe they say, all right, it's top eight protected 2021. And in 2022, instead of unprotected, it's now top five protected. And we'll, sw- and we'll swap picks. Golden State moves up. They get Wiseman. Minnesota says, well, we're n- now we're not trading out of the pick. So you know you're going to get Wiseman. And we'll just take Edwards second. That, w- that seems logical to me. That's not bad. I like it. And Thanks. in that case, you're the Warriors. You're either pick one or you get one and see what you can get for the number one pick at the last minute under the wire. But Zach Lowe, that trade's not fun. I have a couple fun ones for you. Let's go. Is Marcus Smart on the table? I don't think I don't think Marcus Smart is like um like off the table and locked out of the dining room. Let's put, I'm not sure he's on the table, but he's like in the vicinity of the table, like most NBA players. So Golden State calls Boston and they say, we really want Marcus Smart. We'll, and we can fit him in our trade exception. We'll offer number two for Marcus Smart in the 14. What does Boston do? Huh. I'm on the record as saying they can never trade Marcus Smart. I love Marcus Smart. But I do, I do think if you're Boston the Celtics, loves- this is a chance now to get a potential multi-time all-star player to team with Jalen and uh and Tatum. Uh I think that's I think Boston should probably do that. My guess is Golden State would view that as selling low on number two. But here's the thing: people really like this draft 
from like eight to 17. And I know the Celtics do, but if you're going state, you you could argue like that's where you find the Bam Adebayo. That's where you find the Tyler Harrow. That's where you find the Donovan Mitchell. Now we're in that range of the 14th pick. We've been studying this draft for six months. We add Marcus. Now we have a crunch time guy. Now we have, now we go crunch time with Draymond, Marcus, Curry, Thompson, and Wiggins. Defensively, well, you, I can switch on everything. You do have to be a little careful about if you're keeping Wiggins and you have Draymond Green. The other guys have to be able to shoot. And Marcus Smart can now shoot, but can he shoot, shoot? Can he capital S shoot? No, he can't. Uh, he, I mean, he's, in terms of like, is he scaring people when he shoots threes? No, you're he's leaving him alone. Sometimes he's scaring the Celtics, frankly, when he shoots three, some of the threes <laughs> he takes. Um, but that's the right, okay, so that's the right deal model. Number two, for a player who can help me win now, who's not old, plus a future asset, that's pretty good. Number 14. If the I was sense- Boston, I would say no. I, I would I would say we'll do Marcus for the number two. And Golden State would say no thanks, and then we're done. Fair. Um, I, the sense that other teams get from the Warriors is that right now, and again, it's misdirection time. It's misinformation time. Okay, so let's like all the piles of salt that you can muster. Just remember that. Is that they are aiming for the home run with number two. Like they're not trading number two. The sense other teams are getting, and again, could be misinformation, is that the Warriors are not trading number two for, let's, what's Marcus Smart, a fifth starter on a championship team? A fourth yeah, starter he's on a somebody championship that, team? Yeah, but he's somebody that you know in the basketball that we just watched can be out there in big games. I get and, it. I'm not and saying you're will I'm not, not be afraid. Deal, I'm not saying your deal's a bad deal. I'm saying people the sense that other teams are getting from the Warriors is that that's not good enough for number two. That they're treating number two as if like people when you hear number two, people still think, well, Kevin Durant was number two. John Morant was number two. Look at all these guys you can get at number two. This draft may not be like that, but that's a mistake, still yeah. Hear number two and they have these highfalutin is that how I say that word? Highfalutin visions I like in their it. head. I'll give you another. Can I give you a deal that's like? Yeah, that? let's go back and forth. Yeah, here's a deal that I liked. That my initial intel was that the Warriors did would not like. Okay, number two to Sacramento for number twelve, Nemanja Bjelica, Rashawn Holmes, and like a top five protected future Kings pick. Oh, they, you top, always want those for the Kings. Maybe I was going to say a Kings, well, except when the Celtics had it, then it didn't work out. So I get number twelve, so a pick in the in that range you're talking about. I get a future pick of varying quality. Bealitza and Holmes, yeah, they're not household names. They may not even be like neighborhood names, but they're like good players who can help me try to win the championship next year. I thought that was a pretty decent, fair deal. Like that, at least both teams would have to think about. Um, I, I think, again, that might be selling number two too low to the Warriors. What do you think of that? I thought that was pretty good. I had almost the same trade. I had one wrinkle, though. I had Wiggins in number two for Buddy Heald, Holmes, and number 12. The Wiggins piece is really hard for me because I, I just it's still, it's still a negative contract. It's, it's not like... We talk about these Wiggins deals like these teams that are getting him are talking themselves into Wiggins like he's young. He's this. It's still, I think, a negative value contract. Can you think of a better team for him than Sacramento, though, just for being Wiggins? Uh, a tantalizing potential, but ultimately disappointing uh, <laughs> perennial all-star was, on a team filled with guys like that for the last 20 years? 
I don't know if he's been on the Warriors long enough to have the Warriors sheen that Vivek Ranadive really wants in like a former Warrior that the Kings. He's not enough of it. He doesn't have the Warriors sheen quite yet. Like Harrison I think he, Barnes. Harrison Barnes was swimming in the Warriors sheen. True. You're only trading up to two if you feel like Anthony Edwards or LaMelo is actually going to be a legitimate star. And I don't know if Sacramento feels that way. I This is uh, my favorite dumb trade I've made up in at least two years. Andrew Wiggins in the number two with Poole to make the contracts work to Detroit for Blake Griffin and number seven. I didn't even make a Detroit fake trade with number seven. So Detroit moves up five spots. They get out of Griffin because, you know, he's had eight surgeries. But if you're Golden State, and I actually Googled Griffin to see how his knee progress was going. Apparently, he's he's feeling great. His knees feels as good as it's been in some time. And his contract's up a year sooner than Wiggins. It's just more expensive. And that's kind of like the home run trade. Plus, you're, you're only moving down five spots. So you're still getting somebody you really like at seven. You're just not getting one of the, the top three dudes. But the Blake Griffin rolling the dice on, can you get two healthy years out of Blake? And if you do, what do you, what do you look like defensively and from a ball movement standpoint if you throw him into the mix now? But then again, you're going all in on... Well, you've gotten rid of Wiggins in that deal, so I take it back. As you see, you're going all in on closing games with like Draymond, Blake, Clay, Steph, and a wing or something, which is fine. I will say this. Enough people have asked me how what I've heard about Blake Griffin and how he's looking. What am I hearing? This and that. That I think Detroit is gonna have a market for him. I don't think they it's should. gonna be I don't think it's gonna be like strong, like they're not getting a two first round picks or even a first round pick unless they take back something onerous too. But I've had enough teams ask me about Blake Griffin that I, I, I think I think there's still interest in what he can do to help you win. How old do you think he is? I'm gonna without checking basketball reference, I'm gonna say 31. He's 31. Hey! So that was good. So 2018-19 season, he was 24.5 points a game. All NBA. Seven half rebounds, five and a half assists. 46% field goal, 36% three-point, seven attempts. Uh, and his free-throw attempts were 7.3, which I always look at. That's the real way you know if, if somebody like him has fallen off, if the free-throw attempts just just crater. But he was really good, and he hurt his knee. And then last year, he was hurt. So the question is, did he hurt his knee to the point that he can't come back? Or... Is he actually potentially going to come back and, and be 90% of what he was two years ago? And if that's the case, and I'm only moving down five spots, and I'm shaving a year off the Wiggins deal with the higher Blake thing, I think I would do that if I was the Warriors. Now, if I'm the Pistons, I get out of the Blake deal, I have Wiggins, whatever, and I'm in the top three now, and I could potentially get Edwards and build my team around him and hope he's good. I don't not think bad. that's again. Blake Griffin's contract is only two more years. It's not a marathon. It's it's a year and then a player option, which he'll obviously pick up. Someone else pitched me with Utah, a, a non-involved executive, so a third team executive pitched me. Do you think Utah would do Mike Conley or or Utah or Detroit would do Mike Conley for Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, or would Utah have to put something else in that deal to make it work for salary? I think purposes? they'd have to put picks in. 
it might be the Conley contract is expiring though. So I'm getting salary. I think I might. You're right. They might have to put a pick. I don't think they would do that personally, but I just thought it was an interesting trade. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm I'm bullish on the Detroit should trade Blake Griffin thing because, as you said, two years left. So you you're rolling the dice this year. He's healthy, and whatever next year he's an expiring. Even if he's healthy, unhealthy, whatever, and it's a huge contract. And if you're the Warriors and you have Blake making 38 million in the last year. But it's an expiring that has trade value as well with the Minnesota pick. You keep more of your options open. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, ooh, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You want me to give you another uh, Warriors trade? Yeah, I have another one too. Number two and Wiggins. So here we're on the same page now. Wiggins is moving. Mm. Give Wiggins back to the team who drafted him. Cleveland for oh. number five, Andre Drummond. And maybe I can do a little bit of salary finagling that I get Jetty Osmond too. So you get Drummond, he's already opted in? Yeah, he's well. He told he told Stu Gatz he's opting in, so I'm assuming he's going to opt. In. <laughs> Stu Gatz is breaking news now. He broke. What did he broke news like two months ago on <laughs> Stu, Stu Gatz bomb? Stu um, Uh The Warriors love a lob catching center. They love a lob catching center. You can you can already hear people talking them into themselves. Well, if he's he's going to try really hard on defense, if he is in a championship situation, this and that. It's not. I don't love. I don't love it for either team, but it's it's that's usually a good sign. Well, you talked about it in your pod last week. I talked about it with Brazil on my pod last week, same time. If you're Golden State, you you have to look at what just happened with the Lakers, and you have to look at Jokic, and you have to think to yourself, those are two of the teams I need to go through, especially the Lakers. And if I'm not big enough, I'm going to get overpowered by Davis and LeBron, assuming those guys stay healthy. I don't think, you know, the 2017 Warriors, would I think, would, would dust whatever version of the Lakers next year. But the 2015 Warriors, if Bogut wasn't in there, would have had trouble. So I, I do think you have to think about a size thing. You can't have Draymond as your biggest guy in crunch time when you're going against Davis and LeBron. You're going to get annihilated. So I'm not a huge Drummond guy, and I think the free throw shooting no, is a real problem. Um, I think he's a good, good stats, bad team guy. 
But he's also a, he's a good character guy, and he's somebody who's never been in a really good basketball situation, right? Can you think of like has Andre Drummond been on the right team? I don't know. Well, this is why the the Wiggins thing is such a tricky thing, right? Because I can hear Warriors fans saying, "Well, I'm I'm trading the uh, the higher pick and a, a, a semi tantalizing player that I've got under contract for several more years for a lower pick, number five, and a center whose contract expires." this season why am i doing that and that was my reasoning of putting osmond in the deal or some other asset in the deal but also again it just depends on how you value wiggins like there are some teams who would just like hard no on wiggins like i just like i don't even i don't even want it i don't want the deal on my books i have a three-teamer for you oh god at least it's not a four-teamer the four-teamers are the ones that hurt my brain i'm still trying to wrap my head around the robert covington trade exactly like all the pieces that i always have to refresh my memory on that one this one's easy to understand. Brooklyn gets Victor Oladipo. Oh, my God. Indiana gets the second pick in the draft. Golden okay. State gets Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, and number 19. So I've traded number two for Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and the 19th pick? Yeah. I bet the Warriors don't do that. It doesn't feel like quite enough. If if Karis LeVert was in the Spencer Dinwiddie spot in that trade, does that change? See, the, and that's the thing that we, we why, why don't we just talk about why don't we just have the Nets discussion now because the Nets are the Nets are going to go. I don't know what exactly the Nets are going to do, but the Nets. I think it's no secret that they would like to sort of consolidate some of their assets to try to get a third star, and we all know who the most obvious third star is, and that's Bradley Beal. I don't think the Wizards are trading Bradley Beal right now. I'm not even. I'm not even sure the Wizards would love the Nets' Godfather offer, which is Levert plus Allen plus picks up the Wazoo. Maybe they would. Maybe they wouldn't. It's not um, enough. Uh, but I can see the Nets getting into getting into several situations where um, they try to get piece X, maybe Drew Holiday, for instance, without including Karis Levert, and the other team says, well, "No, no, actually, we want we want Levert." And the Nets say, well, we think Levert is a potential all-star. We're saving him for like a Bradley Beal level trade. And apologies to Drew Holiday. This is the Nets talking. You don't raise to the level of Bradley Beal. I could see the Nets hitting that traffic jam over and over and over with every player who's not Bradley Beal, basically. So you think Jared Allen, Levert, and number 19 is too much for Victor Oladipo? Because I, I would say it is. Oh, I, absolutely. I like we can talk about Oladipo now too. Like, I I don't even know how you trade for Victor Oladipo right now. That that's not to say I wouldn't wouldn't think about trading for him. I don't know how you value him after what With we've seen last since year of his, his contract. Yeah, and it, coming I, off I, the injury. Yeah, and he's he's coming up for a new a new deal. I just don't know how I'm supposed to think about him, and I'm certainly not giving up my best trade assets to get him right now, given that. He was already not playing at an all NBA at the same all NBA level before he had what is a very traumatic injury. And then last year, I think in fairness to Victor, you just have to throw in the dustbin of history because he had just come back, then the season stopped, and he's off for four months. Then he tries to come back again. Like I'm not sure how much you can read into that, but I'm not backing up the Brinks truck for Victor Oladipo. So Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie in nineteen actually is kind of fair value for whatever Oladipo is as an asset right now with the year left in his deal when we haven't seen him play at a, high, at a really high level for two years. Can I can I, I, I think Brooklyn is going to move Jared Allen because uh, because KD and, and Kyrie run that team, as we know. 
and DeAndre is their guy. And they're going to want DeAndre to be out there with them. And Jared Allen is better than DeAndre. And it's a conundrum. Because <laughs> Jared Allen is just a more valuable basketball player by every metric and the eye test. See, I would... I actually, so I've, I have been saying forever that they need to start Jared Allen. They need to invest in Jared Allen. I think in the last two months of the last season, excluding the, well, I, DJ didn't go to the bubble. I think in the last two months of last season, pre-stoppage, Jordan was actually a little better than Jared Allen and it had become a little bit underrated. Now, I don't know mm. how real that was, but I like Jared Allen better, certainly as a player I'd invest in. The Nets are also... Um, over the tax by a lot if they re-sign Joe Harris. And I've got news for the Nets. They are going to have competition for Joe Harris. These oh, yeah. teams with cap room all view Joe as a potential good, very good fit on the floor and a good culture guy. I think the Bert, Nets are going to Bertans too, right? Joe Harris and Bertans are the two guys who will make more money than people I, are preparing. I think, Harris even, I think Harris may have even more of a market just because they trust teams trust his defense more. He's more sort of yep. positionally fluid on defense. I think the Nets are going to have to pay like $15 million a year to keep Joe Harris. Agree. Um, I, it was, I, by the way, I would do that in a second because he can play in crunch time for me in, in game seven. Well, and the Nets need people who don't need the ball. They need yeah. they need guys who are willing to play off the ball and, and all that. Um, well, don't you think, Zach, don't you think like what we saw from Duncan Robinson, what we've seen, the, these guys who the spacing they create because teams are so scared of the three point threat, you know, it's like what look Brad Stevens told KOC once that Kyle Corver might average 13 a game, but we have to defend him. Like he averages 30. These, those guys are kind of the great inefficiency right now, but I think teams have figured out that it's not an inefficiency that they're so, actually worth 15 to 16 million. I was talking to someone last week in the league. And I said, I, I know that there were games where Duncan Robinson, you know, was two for seven from three or one of took three shots in a game and he got picked on defensively a little bit. I think he made money in the playoffs overall. And Oh yeah. And it's just it's not even that he made seven threes in a finals game, although it's partly that. He just runs so hard, so constantly, and in such unpredictable patterns that he's just a problem all the time. Even if he only gets four shots, he's doing and he's mastered the handoff one dribble pass to bam which is all he's got to do one dribble pass that's it he doesn't have to do two dribbles or three dribbles and i think he made himself muddy by but you but to your point you have to be relentless like that if you're a guy who is maybe going to be a liability on defense and is is really a shooter shooter at heart you've you you can't be running at 75 percent speed you can't be oh i did my first cut i didn't get the ball i fade out of the play you got to be constant like he is and joe harris is like that too I thought it was telling game five, the game when uh, when Markeith Morris threw the ball out of bounds, that last play. Miami put Duncan Robinson. Spo had him in for that defensive possession because he trusted him just as a high IQ guy. It's obviously him guarding LeBron or getting switched on LeBron. Is that what you'd want? But he trusted he would be in the right spot. And I think, I just think those guys are really hard to find. I, I think we've pigeonholed them unfairly. Not we, but some people have where it's like, they think of them as like a Kyle Corver type, right? Because it's white guy, good shooter, can't leave him alone. Those guys are 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 just better all around players than that. And um, and I think with Robinson and Harris, they have room to grow. I thought Harris, the fact that he was on the World Championships team, you know, that was pretty important. Like he he was able to hang with those guys. So I'm with you. I think he's 15 to 16 a year minimum. 
I'll give you a team I'm keeping an eye on with Victor Oladipo. You ready? Yeah. Milwaukee. Oh. Just keeping my eye on him. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say. Keep my eye on him. I have one more trade, just quickly. Okay. Um, this would require Golden State taking on a, a crap load of money. But Wiggins, Pascal, Poole, and number two to Orlando for Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier and the 15th pick. And they could absorb Fournier into their trade exception. And they're basically taking on an extra $15 million. They're dropping down from 2 to 15. If you're Orlando, it's like, where are we going if we're Orlando? It's so, like, what are we? So my notes for Orlando, it, it literally just says, load of trades with Orlando. I didn't even have a, <laughs> I didn't even have a specific one. Like, Because you could have Wiggins. You could not have Wiggins. But I comp- whether it's Golden State or not, I think, I do think for sure teams are going to sniff around what's available in Orlando. There is, I I haven't talked to Jeff Weltman or John Hammond, so do not take this as reported information. But I just do feel like the Magic need to have a come to Jesus moment where it's like, we just can't be the eighth seed every year. And we've now gone to the playoffs three times and Fournier has been awful every time. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I think... The problem, though, is that I think they're selling low on Fournier, who has a player option anyway for next season, if he, assuming he opts in, and is selling low on Gordon. I, I've talked to a few teams in the last two days who a year ago were really high on Gordon and are now less high on Gordon. But I do agree that Orlando has some interesting pieces, and I would throw Vucevic in there, too. Like I think teams will call on him, call about him as a shooting five. So you could make any number of Warriors deals centered on two and 15 with, with Orlando's 15th pick. You could make any number of them, and they're all interesting to talk about, but there's like a dozen permutations. One thing I liked about that trade, because if you take the Fournier-Gordon money and you flip it into Wiggins, you're saving $10 million. You could spend that on free agents. So the final trade wouldn't be the actual trade. The interesting thing to me, Gordon's like a million and a half higher than the Warriors' trade exception. And if the salary worked and they could just absorb his contract, that to me is the most logical of all the trades. If they could just do the number two for Aaron Gordon straight up, no other contracts, no salaries, whatever. But unfortunately, he's like $2 million higher. I'm with you, though. Orlando cannot stick with the team they have. And and, just, and then it's like Isaac, he's out next year, I would assume. The Mo Bamba thing, like if they offered Mo Bamba to the Celtics for the number 14 pick, I think the Celtics would say no. Think about that. They I, liked him in that draft two years ago. My gut reaction is they would say no in part because if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm saying, well, why isn't Robert Williams just better than well, like, why don't I already they have would. a better young center already? Like, I think I do. Um, I think they would offer 26 and 30 and be like, is that good enough? I mean, Mo Bamba was like the sixth pick. But I, I don't think we've seen anything that makes me You said you would, you would do number two straight up for Aaron Gordon if you were the Warriors? If he was making $17 million a year and I had him under contract for a couple of years, I think I would. I don't think they would do that. I don't think they would do that. I so think do I like Aaron is, Gordon more than you? I, I think the bloom is off the rose with Aaron Gordon. Interesting. Okay. League wide. League wide. I've I have long I'm like four years into begging um Aaron Gordon to figure out who he is as a player unsuccessfully because I do think there is a I do think the optimized version of Aaron Gordon, which is 
please watch all the Draymond Green film and try to be your version of this guy uh, is is a player that can be on the floor in Game 7 of the NBA Finals and help you win. But we just but, haven't, but that's seen, the that. Problem. We haven't seen that guy. Yeah, he's playing with Vucevic. Did I say right, Vucevic? No, but I've 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 given what is that Vucevic? one was good. That you got it that time. Um, I think his destiny is in that Draymond Green, like a like a better version of Robert Covington trying to play small ball five on Houston, where that should be who he is for a team. I don't know what team it is, but I do that, think or I do think Orlando's there. I do think if this again, this is unreported. I just my gut is that they're there, and part of it is that the time, the timing and contracts are going to make these decisions for them. So Evan Fournier has a player option for seventeen million next year, right? Um, I can see Evan Fournier's agent going to the Magic and saying, "Hey, you know what? I'd love an extension. How about we opt in and give put a three year, sixty million dollar thing on top of it?" To which I'm saying, "No, thank no, you. No thanks. Thanks anyway. Uh, go, go ahead and opt in if you want, or op, I guess opt out if you think you have a better deal than seventeen million, whatever." And so time is making these decisions for them on Fournier. Gordon actually only has two years left on a deal that is declining uh, in salary, which is interesting. I so just, our favorite out of all the ones we mentioned, just from a fun standpoint, would be if the Warriors some sort of trade with Detroit where they end up with Blake Griffin. That's crazy time. That's fun, crazy time. I have a couple more. Can I give you a couple more? Yeah, go. Number two to the Spurs oh. for number 11, Rudy Gay and Keldon Johnson. And maybe I, looked- I got to get something else, too. It's so funny. We kicked the same tires with the Spurs, and I just wasn't enchanted with anybody. Well, for them Rudy to get Gay back. plus Derek White is a little bit more expensive than their trade exception. So that one doesn't work unless you start throwing other pieces into the deal. I mean, at that point, I would just rather roll the dice with Wiseman knowing I could trade him in four months versus like. Yeah, getting, I don't. I don't. I don't. I love need that to one. get. I need to get somebody. If I'm trading this pick, if I'm Golden State. I need to get somebody who's playing crunch time for me in a game seven against the Lakers. Okay. Number two. If I can't get that, I'm not doing it. Number two to Chicago for number four and pick them between Lowry Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. So I looked at, well, I think that's too much for Chicago. I don't think the Bulls are, that was, I don't think the Bulls are paying that. When, When I stumbled upon that and started surveying people around the league, my, my talking it through with them was that's a lot to pay to move up two spots unless, you just love somebody, in which case, but I, I I don't think Chicago loves somebody. I think actually four, I've had a lot of teams tell me I'd love to be in Chicago spot because right. I get my pick of whoever I want below those top three. And if someone falls to me because someone does something crazy, then great. Russell and I were texting last week. I was like, I like the idea of marketing for the two. And we kind of got excited about that because I am I'm all in on I want to see marketing on a different team. The problem is you've already gone through a couple years of his rookie deal and you're going to have to pay him sooner. Carter's, if they could get Carter for the two, I don't, first of all, I don't know why Chicago would do that because I like Carter more than anybody in that top three. I don't think they would. But if the Warriors could get that and they gave, maybe you offer Jerry Reinsdorf some money. We know he, we know he loves uh, saving money every year. Maybe they offer him number two and three million bucks. And some it's some some stock and some Joe Lacob company that he invested in or something. Um, I like the idea of Carter though. I I think he's really good. And I, the Bulls to me are a team that I just don't know what to make of 
their talent because they were all in the worst possible situation. The Jim Boylan thing was a catastrophe. The the you you build a team around Zach Levine, who's the biggest good good stats bad you know bad record guy in the league. And I don't would you if you're Wendell Carter would you be like man that was a really cool two years I learned a lot. I, you're in the same spot you're in two years ago. Well, I think that's I think you just outlined why the Bulls would be hesitant to make that kind of trade. Is that I think they believe I want to see what these guys can do under Billy Donovan because what we saw last year from Wendell Carter Jr. when like he just wouldn't even look at the rim, he was so discouraged from shooting and playing offense was like a, a shade of himself. And I think they they have faith that okay, let's get some fre- a fresh coach in here, let's do something different, and this guy's gonna look way better than he did last year. Can I give you a trade I don't think either team would make? That those are often the best trades. Poor Zingas. Oh boy. For Wiggins, number two in that other Minnesota pick. I think both teams say no. For different reasons. Well because if you're Golden State, you're like, we're trading everything for this guy who might not be able to stay in the court. And if you're Dallas, you're saying if Porzingis is healthy, Luca's the MVP favorite next year, and we add one more piece, we could actually compete for the title next year. We can't go backwards. So I think it's a double no. Wow. Yeah, good one, right? The rare double no. Well, I think Dallas is I think Dallas is one of the most interesting teams in the league for the next year and a half because Yeah, because they could win the title if they make two good moves. Well, I thought of them today. I was making up some fake Rudy Gobert trades just for fun because oh, he, has a, he, he has a let's supermax. Do let's well, go. He has a, he has a supermax uh, you know, eligibility coming up that we'll see what happens. But uh, to me, Dallas is they, – they are a little short on cap room for Giannis in the summer of 2021, but they can get there easily because they got a million good contracts they can move. That is, to me – that is the one that if I am one of the other 29 teams in the league, I do not want to see that happen because Luca and Giannis is their own version of LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like that, I think that's the role where Giannis can win championships, where he's not LeBron. Luca is LeBron in the sense of he has the keys to the offense. And Giannis is some, you know, yes, he gets to run, pick and roll. He gets to post up. He gets the ball some, but he also screens and dives and he's all over the place on defense and he runs the offense when Luca rests and all this. To me, that's the one where I have nightmares if I'm one of the other teams in the league. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I know we both talked about it on our podcast. If I'm Giannis, that's, if I'm leaving Milwaukee, I'm going to Dallas. It's and, just a, it's just a matter of. Here's the thing. We both think Luca has a chance to be, one of the six or seven best players of all time. If he doesn't get hurt and if he continues on the pace he's on, he has the chance to be this generation superstar, the post LeBron generation. Who's going to be the guy who owns that 15 year stretch. Luca's by far the best chance. And if Giannis teams up with him and they grow old together in Dallas and, uh, and Dallas spends a, a load of money for them. Um, that's the scenario that scares everybody. And I'm and, not even sure. I need Porzingis in that scenario to be my starting five or whatever he's going to be spacing the floor for those guys. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that I. It's not better for me to to flip Porzingis into a few different things. Well, if Giannis decided he wanted to go there now, 
which it sounds like a crappy thing to do, but we've seen, <laughs> how many times have we seen superstars leverage situations? We just saw it with Anthony Davis. He's like, I want to go to the Lakers. He had, what, he had two years left on his deal? Guess what? Ended up on the Lakers. If Giannis is just like, I've made my decision, I'm going to Dallas in a year, um, we could either facilitate that now or uh, it'll just happen a year from now. Then there's some sort of Porzingis Giannis thing. But um, yeah, I mean, look, all the intel I've gotten for years now is Giannis is not going to do that with Dallas or any other team. I don't think he will either. And the Bucks, as a result, are going to take it to the end as the as the Thunder did with Durant. And it, it and and just w- without if he doesn't sign the supermax, so you just live in this world all year. If he doesn't sign the Supermax and he doesn't say I'm leaving, then the Bucks are not trading him. And they're going to try to win the championship and convince him to stay. Or get to the finals and convince him to stay. Get to the finals and make a trade that convince whatever. Somehow convince him to stay. I think they take it to the end. And that only changes if Giannis tells them now, I am not, I, I want to go to this place or I'm, or I'm not re-signing, which I don't think will happen. Nor do I think if I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Right. And again, nobody knows these things for a fact. I, I can't, you know, I can't say that I know what's going to happen. But if you force me to bet, I don't think he's signing the Supermax this offseason. I would say the odds are like five to one. It's a bad move. You you have it's rarely to, a bad move to lock in like two hundred and fifty. He's getting it anyway. We, we, we saw Durant sign a max contract when he had a tortoise Achilles. You're That's getting true. the contract either way. Unless. Unless uh, something really, really tragic happened to you, it's going to happen. You know, Milwaukee, I think, is in a really dangerous position. We don't have to make up Milwaukee trades, but, you know, it's very similar to the Cavs heading into that 2009-2010 season when they're just taking money and bad contracts and mortgaging everything to try to make LeBron happy to try to win a title. And you go back and look at the trades they made those last couple years, and they were really bad. They were really bad transactions that screwed them completely when he left. I don't think Milwaukee wants to do that, but I do. I do think I'd be shocked if Eric Bledsoe was on that team next uh, year. They're gonna. I, I would be very. I, they're going to. I would be very surprised if they didn't do something big-ish, medium-sized, whatever you consider that kind of trade, Bledsoe and some other stuff for X. I would be very surprised if they didn't do something like that. Chris Paul would be the disaster trade for them because. Now you're all in, and if if Giannis leaves in a year, now you have Chris Paul for two more years after that. And well, I think only nowhere. one more year, right? Doesn't he only have two years left on his deal? No, you're right. I think you might be right. Let me check. Um, oh, he's got the but he's got the player option for yeah, the third right. year, which means he could just lock it in. I have a I have one Minnesota trade for you that I thought was fun. Okay, shoot. Johnson and Layman just to make the contracts work to Utah with the number one pick for Rudy Gobert in 23. First of all, CP only has this year and next year left on his deal. Um, so just FYI. Um, so so number one, and give me the trade again. Number one in the okay. Johnson Lehman contracts to Utah for Rudy Gobert in 23. I don't think, I, I don't, I don't think either team is doing that. You don't think, think Minnesota's I, doing that? I think if I'm Minnesota, I, I say Towns is a center, full stop. I don't want I don't want to pair him with Rudy Gobert. And Utah, I get the number one pick. 
I get the number one pick. That's a big. That's a big deal. And I with get Donovan re- Mitchell, and I'm in a conference that I have no chance of actually winning for and, the next. And two I get years. to reorient around Donovan's timeline. Um, yeah. It, look, the Gobert thing. I think they're trading him. He's eligible. I, I don't know what they're going to do because he's eligible for a supermax. Um, I don't think that he's going to get that, and I, I think Utah would be very worried about giving him that kind of contract. Um, I don't see that happening. I just I had I had trouble honestly, unless unless so your trade presumes the Jazz just don't really care about next season. Um, My trade presumes the Jazz are like we've hit a wall. That they we don't, cannot win the title with this team. We have so no way of making this team better. Your trade has no answer to the question, and I'm not saying that makes it a bad trade. I'm just saying it has no answer to the question: is who is the starting center for the Utah Jazz next season? You've decided I don't care. This trade is too good. I'm making it. Um, my I'm taking problem, ja- I'd take James Wiseman. Okay, that's my starting center then. There you go. Yeah. Um, and I and I'm the, hoping he's good. That's why I did not think of this Gobert trade. I did not think of Gobert for number one. Um, because that's the problem I kept having with my fake Gobert trades is it's leaving the Utah Jazz, a team that yes has Donovan Mitchell, but also has some older guys that we just spent a lot of money on, Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich. It's leaving them without a starting center. I kept running into this roadblock of who's my starting center next year because I thought of some okay Gobert trades because I do think, I just think it's a big question hanging over the offseason. And, and Utah is one of those teams where it's like we, we need to make another move to get into the conversation or, or we're just where we're at. One other trade I had with that. This one was actually the most logical one. It's Minnesota and Charlotte swapping picks. James Johnson goes to Charlotte. Rogier comes back to Minnesota. He's got two years left. He actually had like kind of a quietly good year, statistically at least last year. You can play him with D'Angelo. He can guard the other team's best guard. You only have him for two years. You end up with whoever you want to end up with anyway at number three. And then if you're Charlotte, you get your guy if that's your guy. I do think Rogier is an under-the-radar sneaky trade piece this summer. Um, if they could find the right deal, I think that's. I think that's a. If you like Terry Rozier, there are a bunch of guys. It's like if you like them, it's worth some phone calls. Like if you like, I know a lot of teams are going to call the Spurs about Derek White, for instance, because yep. there's this sense that, um, you know, there's limited interest. I think at Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge, and then there's the sense that the Spurs have all these young guards and wings, and they're going to eventually trade one of them, and maybe I'll call about Derek White and see if I can get him. Um, Rogier is sort of a, like that, uh, more expensive, obviously. I didn't find a Gobert trade that I liked. I really didn't. What do the Warriors say if Utah calls them and says, we'll give you Gobert for Wiggins and two? I think they hang up. I don't, I, I don't know. That's a good one. That's a good one. Because Golden State still has to reconcile with this whole how do we beat the Lakers thing next year. My favorite, I mean, the, the obvious Gobert one is Brooklyn. Because um, mm. it's got to be a team, if you're going to pay him, it's got to be a team that's in a rush to do something now. It's in a rush to do some damage now. And Brooklyn has the pieces. I just, I just for some reason, I don't see it. Don't see it happening. What about Gobert for Miles Turner and Aaron Holiday? It's not bad. Except, well, you know what? You know why I actually, I'll take it back. You know why I crossed Indiana off my list? Because I'm not... I don't know that I want to get back into a Sabonis as, as a fake power forward on defense. You want him thing. at five. Yeah, that's okay. fair. Um, uh, Dallas I thought about, but ultimately I, I'm saving my ammo for other stuff. 
if I'm if I'm Dallas. The one that I the one that I really like and I think has a chance to have an interesting offseason is um I tried to build some deals around sending Harrison Barnes and a lot of other stuff to Utah for Gobert because I mm. could you know Sacramento is going to try to make the playoffs next year and they have yeah. a huge hole at center unless they want to play I mean Holmes is all right but so I shouldn't say huge hole but um I, maybe they want to play Bagley at five a little bit, which I think is something they should investigate. But I, you know, I thought that was a little interesting. I couldn't find a good deal. Buddy Hield can't be in that deal. He's because his contract kicks in where it's like twenty four million a year after the he draft. Could. He could. Lots of Buddy Hield trade buzz, as you know. Lots of Buddy Hield trade buzz. A lot of people are pro- pro- proposing the Horford for Buddy Hield deal construction for this reason, thinking that Sacramento will make a win now move for a big man. To me, all these Horford trades I'm being pitched. I get that Al looked. I, I get that Al Horford is a much better player than he appeared last season in that situation in Philly. But I've had. Well, what about Horford for Gallinari in a signing trade? What about Horford for Gordon Hayward? What about Horford for Buddy Heald? And my response is every time. Well, what else am I getting for taking on Al Horford? Like, why? Why am I? Why am I bending? Why am I doing this deal for? I like I. I to me, I got to get a lot of stuff. I also like Buddy Heald. And he's somebody, if I was a GM, I'd be trying to get. And I, I was thinking about him for the Celtics, actually, because they have Hayward as an expiring. And if they were just like, this thing's jinxed, it's never going to happen. He's leaving in a year. Could we offer him to with the 14th pick to Sacramento for Buddy Heald? Like so, like that. Those are basically the the foundation of the trade. Sacramento gets out of the Buddy Heald contract because he's unhappy and was unhappy all last year. They get another asset. The Celtics get something for this Hayward thing where he's just going to leave in a year and another shooter. And um, that's something. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done! Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. So let's just call this our interesting teams we haven't talked about yet, and you can pick who we talk about. Okay. Phoenix, Atlanta, Denver, Toronto. Pick one. I don't care which one. I'd like to start with Phoenix because I think they're frisky right now. Yes. I think, okay, me I think, too. I think they're covered in body oil. They've been doing some reps out in the trade machine deck, trying to get people's attention. Maybe having a daiquiri. Just trying, trying to make conversation. How about this? I'm just, I'm just going to go to the big one right now. Chris Paul for Ricky Rubio and Kelly. They are my sneaky favorite Chris Paul team. We yeah. did not discuss this in advance. No. It's it actually works under the cap. OKC would get two more years of Rubio. Ubre's an expiring. They could spin him off if they want. I actually think he has value as 
a wing and it's an expiring deal making 15 million a year. And I also think he's a guy who falls into the Derek White bucket that I'm calling about if I'm another team. If I'm high on him, I I, I look at the pieces there and I look at the fact that they went 8-0 in the bubble. They're going to be under pressure to win next season. Can I pluck him somehow in some win now trade for Phoenix? Can I just I think I, I just he's a name that I think makes a lot of sense to mention. And Phoenix can replace his minutes because Bridges was pretty good last year. Bridges is good. Cam Johnson is good. And yeah. depending on what I'm getting, you know, I think they're also make a lot I think they they have an obvious not obvious, but I think, you know, um if they don't bring back Sharich, I think that Gallinari makes some sense there as a win now move. Um in which case, you know, I should I'm out on Gallinari. Yours out. His bubble performance was reprehensible. I'm out. Okay. I'm out. He lost me. I was a longtime defender. I'm out. Chris in, in Paul. End, Chris Paul end, to I, Phoenix, though. In the end, I in the end, I think that's too aggressive for Phoenix, depending on what else is in there besides Ubre that makes it worth Oklahoma City's while. I just it's a little aggressive, but I'd like I think, that top three though, because you and I both loved how Aiton played after his suspension. Booker looks like he's ready to become a superstar. And now you have Paul running the show. You have shooters. You still have your free agent exception or uh, your free agent, whatever. The What is it? Nine million for the, uh, mid, the mid level, level. Yeah. Um, to get one other person. And I don't know that I kind of like that team. They're gonna, it's a good I, one. I, I think I, I think we're onto something. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be hunting around. For stuff i'm glad i'm glad we brought them up um what, so what else what else would they do though because Aiton Aiton and booker are untouchable so basically it's that rubio Ubre combo for a bigger star is the move yeah there. plus you know whatever draft equity you want to invest in it depending on who the who the guy is um let me let me know what you think of this trade spencer dinwiddie straight up for patrick beverly i like i ooh, woo <laughs> I see. I kind of like good. that for I kind of like that for the Clippers. I'm trying to think how I feel about it for the Nets. It's I I don't. That's an interesting trade. That's an interesting trade. Uh, I, Dinwiddie's got a year left. Because we know. Let's be honest. If we're looking at the Clippers, Beverly, Harold, Lou Williams, I would say the over under on those three guys coming back is two. And you could talk me into all three of those guys not being back. I don't know how they bring Harold back at fifteen million a year. That would be absolute salary cap suicide. They can't do that. Beverly for twelve million a year. Somebody could talk themselves into him. And then the Lou Williams piece. How many terrible postseasons can Lou Williams have before we just give up on him? I don't care. Well, how if I and if I get Dinwiddie, I I satisfy my need for someone who can get to get into the paint off the dribble. Well, Slash a and kick more, out. Oh, a little bit more decisively than Kawhi does. Although Kawhi can obviously get there decisively when he wants to. I just, I've said all year, I think they need a little zip, a little north south zip. And Lou was their guy to do that. Dinwiddie. I also just think, like, I is I, I think Patrick Beverly is really good. I, I, I think the Clippers can maintain a really good defense without Patrick Beverly as long as Kawhi and PG are on the team and they're well coached. I, I don't, I don't like fear giving up Patrick Beverly's defense. All right, you're Mark Cuban. I'm, I'm Bomber. Calling to check in. Hey, hey, just between us, never to be repeated. You wouldn't trade Porzingis for Paul George, right? What do you say? 
Well, I'm, I'm Mark Cuban in this scenario. You're Mark Cuban. Bombers called you out of the blue. He's, he's kind of feeling you out for Porzingis for Paul George straight up. Hmm. You know I love Paul George. <laughs> <laughs> love, I love, I love Pandemic P. Way off P. Those nicknames are funny. Um, I just, I'm so nervous about Porzingis' health now that I think yeah, that I that deal is worth looking into for, for Dallas, and I bet the Clippers wouldn't do it. I think it's more likely the Clippers extend Paul George this summer than it is that they trade him. I think it's very unlikely they trade him. If I'm Paul George's agent, I'm walking into Balmer's office and saying, you don't want both of us, both both Paul and Kawhi, hanging out on expiring contracts all year long. Like, that's a nightmare. It's, give me two more years now. You locked me in. It's going to make Kawhi feel better. It's going to make Paul George feel better and play better. Like I'm play, I'm leveraging that for all it's worth. If I'm Paul George's agent, is there any sort of Embiid Paul George oh possibility? Oh my god, this is <laughs> no. I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. I just don't know what Philly does heading into the season with a broken roster, but a ton of assets. Oh, two People- big assets, I guess. I don't know, like. Wow, you, you now you officially look like you've been through the through the ringer. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, I that just, one I that just, one broke you. I yeah, think that I broke hurt, your that, brain. That hurt. That hurt me a little bit. Um, <laughs> I don't know what Philly does either because people keep pitching me. Like I said, Gallinari to Philly, and I'm like, all right. So let's just say I flip Horford for oh, Gallinari. God. Let's say I get I I get so fortunate that I'm able to do that. I still have Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Danilo Gallinari, who are all positionally fours in some yeah. respects anyway, although Ben Simmons is really just a Ben Simmons. And and Embiid, who's a, like I doesn't really solve my need for like some guards who can do stuff. Like I I don't, you know, anyway. The best thing they could do is take Richardson and try to get like the Spencer Dinwiddie, um some sort of point guard back, Terry Rogier. Um, somebody who could at least guard other teams' point guards and isn't just another six foot eight guy who doesn't know where to go on a half court offense. And let's be honest, like all due respect to Doc, won the 2008 title. I'm not sold. He's the brain surgeon to fix this tumor of a Philly offense because I don't think anybody has tried it out more clogged toilet offenses over the years than Doc. Well, so, the, ir- the irony of Philly hiring Doc a year after they let J.J. Reddick go is amusing to me because Doc loves right. to play with, and Shamit too. I mean, like, it's like Doc loves to play with that kind of piece and, and he's used it very effectively to unclog some so-so spacing. Well, I wonder if J.J. could be in play for them too. Yeah, I tried to I tried to create some New Orleans deals with the Warriors. Let's just rapid fire through these other couple of teams that I brought up. Atlanta I brought up because I think the sixth pick is in play if anybody offers them a veteran who could help their team. I also think John Collins is obviously worth monitoring. Denver, Atlanta is, is the Atlanta is the guy who had Apple stock in 1985, and somebody offered them a pretty cool deal, just some cash up front, and they sold it, and they could have been cajillionaires. Is this and about just, Luca? Yeah, is that about and it's Luca? just awkward okay. to make eye contact with them because it's like, oh yeah, you guys could add Luca. And it's like, cool, so we might do some stuff with the sixth pick. It's like, cool, you passed up a generational superstar. He might be one of the seven best players of all time. Cool. Denver, uh, because I think they will have an interesting 
I think they have an interesting, you know, decision to make whether they revisit the Drew Holiday thing. Um, and well, what do tax- you do with Porter? Is Port? Do you? I would say you'd be selling high on Porter right now Ooh. as an asset. My right? assumption is that Porter played his way off the table for Drew Holiday. That Denver would not trade him for Drew Holiday. If you think you can win the title, you have to trade Porter this this offseason and get and get an awesome third guy. You don't have you don't have long term. You don't have faith in him long term. I don't know. I did. There, I have some questions about. Would he be happy being the third best guy in the Nuggets? I have some questions about his health and the fact that all these teams are terrified of him heading into that draft because of his medicals. You could argue you're selling high with him. That to me was the the obvious Bradley Beal trade. I don't know if it's quite enough. They don't have that second awesome pick to throw in, but you know it at least gets a conversation going. If I was Washington, there's other deals I would think about, but um, yeah, if it's if we're talking Drew Holiday, and it's Gary Harris and 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 Porter for Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday still what is he like 31? I don't know. I think I think he's 29. Because your worst case scenario is you keep no. Porter. You don't. Do, he's. I'm gonna say he's 31. Poor, uh, Holiday. Drew 30? Holiday is 30. Split the difference. Um, you, your worst case scenario, if you keep Porter, is he comes out like he's cover of a couple magazines. He's feeling himself a little bit. This is going to be my year, and it's like we have our team. We're the Jokic Murray team. You're going to have to fit in. That is our infrastructure. Um, and I would worry about him wanting to be like the guy because I think that's a real concern. I think he's that talented. You know, it's an interesting. It's a, when he when he said the stuff about the shots in the playoffs, that was the first time I was like, "Oh, I wonder if this is going to last." Yeah, I mean that, that's a fair that's a fair concern, and it is interesting that Denver has to think about. Yeah, we made the conference finals, but you know the West is just getting better and better every year. Do we need to do we need to upgrade again? And Drew Holiday is a great third banana for their team. He's not going to take shots from Maria Jokic. He's going to play great defense, and I do think they need to really prioritize. They, it, depending on who goes out in the trade, I think defense has to be like Zach Levine has been rumored to Denver a lot in the past, oh I think. And I just think I, I get I think offensively he'd be a great fit there. You take the ball out of his hands, you turn him into a roving, cutting menace on the baseline, catch and shoot threes. But defensively, depending on who's there, I that there's just a lot of holes there. Um, if I'm Denver, I'm looking at the West and I have a chance to to make the finals because I have Yoka Jamari. But my biggest flaw is that I can't defend LeBron, I can't defend Luca, and I can't defend a healthy Kawhi if he's ever healthy again. Well, that's why Jeremy Grant's coming back there for sure. They're gonna. I, I would be shocked if they don't pay whatever it takes to keep Jeremy Grant. All right, I'm glad you brought this up because I really like Jeremy Grant. I don't think he's that good of a defender. I would not describe him as a lockdown defender. If anything, like I, I think he's like LeBron just toyed with him. And now, granted, LeBron is one of the two best players of all time, but he had no chance. And I think Luca would toy with him too. And it's like if you're going to pay him 15 million a year, but he can't lock people down or at least really make them work for their points, then why am I paying him 15 million a year? I didn't see it in the playoffs from him. He's just decent, and his rebounding numbers are like legitimately alarming like his rebounding numbers are really really bad and i do think they're onto something there 
Uh, I just, given his ability to play the four and and Millsap kind of aging out of starter, although he was huge for them in a couple of games against the Clippers, I, I think they'll bring back Jeremy Grant. Although, again, I do think some of these teams with cap room, depending on what happens with some of their other players, will have big interest in Jeremy Grant. He's a hot name right now. Um, you know who's you know who's the most intriguing random free agent to me? Because it's not, let's be honest, not a great free agent class, right? It's a lot of guys are going to opt in and we don't have signature dudes. I'm really interested to see where Ibaka goes because that's a guy who's made a lot of money. Now, granted, you could always use more money, but he's made a lot of money. He's been in good situations. He got to win a title already and is, by all accounts, one of the best teammates, a great guy. I know you and I have both spent time with him. He's the kind of guy I could see talking himself into, I'm going to go to Golden State and I'll take a little less and it'll be worth it. A little a little like where Iguodala was um, you know, in the middle part of last decade. But I was so impressed with him in that Toronto Celtics series. And Nick Nurse, who was amazing, I thought the biggest mistake he made in that series was not playing Ibaka more. I just love what he does. And, that, and you know, whether it's Denver, Golden State, I see Ibaka inserting himself into the playoff picture in a real way if he leaves Toronto. So here's my Ibaka prediction, then I'll make the Ibaka prediction. I think the guy who goes from Toronto to a Golden State-like team in terms of just let me let me sacrifice money, minutes, role to try and win a championship is Gasol if he mm. stays here okay. in the U.S. I bet if I my prediction for Abaka would be like a one year twenty million dollar deal from the Raptors. I think the Raptors run it back with Abaka, run it mm. back with Van Fleet, Van Fleet in a contract that they can absorb. They they can like that's acceptable to us. It's a go okay number. It's a lot, but it's an okay number like eighteen to twenty maybe. Like Van Fleet's gonna get paid. Um, and I keep myself within a salary dump of Norman Powell or whatever of Giannis level cap space, and I maintain a good team for 2021. So that's I'm gonna I'm gonna call a one year balloon payment for Ibaka, similar to what the Heat will do um, with Dragic now, or what I think the Heat will do with Dragic. Now, all of that obviously goes out the window if Giannis signs the supermax on the first day, and then you just stop planning to get Giannis. But if he doesn't, that's my Ibaka prediction. Because Ibaka, so, Ibaka was really good all year last year. Ibaka had a great season. And the year before. Um, so we think Dallas, Toronto, and Miami are the three teams to watch with Giannis. But not really... I'm not I'm not reporting this. I'm just saying those seem like the three teams that are jacking already. I don't I don't think that's a secret. I mean, I think that's all yeah, been okay. publicly mentioned. I think those are the three plus Milwaukee obviously. I'm not sure that there's certainly you know Golden State has gotten all the attention as a trade destination for Giannis. I think that's been overblown from the beginning. Yeah, it doesn't um, make sense. Uh, although I th- I do think their package is like semi-competitive, I just don't see Milwaukee trading him. And then if they don't trade him there, I don't see Giannis necessarily putting them above those other three we mentioned. Maybe a shadow team comes out, maybe something another team emerges or whatever. But those are the three, yeah. If they trade Giannis, it's got to be for like Embiid. You you have to get a star back under a longer contract. Otherwise, you got to roll roll the dice. Hope you win the title and hope he stays. There's, there's really, unfortunately for them, there's no way out. Well, that's the way out. You win the title. We don't think they're going to win the title. I, it's presently constituted. I don't think they're going to win the title. Although the, uh, next year has a chance. I mean, we could wrap it up saying this. Next year has a chance. I mean, rarely do we have all these good teams coming back and then poof, as if from thin air, without having to make any moves at all. 
two teams emerge as potential deep threats in the playoffs in Golden State and Brooklyn. And, you know, we can argue about Brooklyn. I know it's kind of chic to be down on Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's going to be really good. Um, Next year is just, it's loaded top to bottom. I think it's a really, I think it has a chance to be a really fun season. This is why I was so bummed out about the Celtics. Now, granted, I've had a lot of good fortune the last 20 years as a sports fan, but I really felt like the window for them as weird as this sounds was like, this is probably the best chance they're going to have over the next three years to win a title just for the way the league shook out because Milwaukee self-destructs Clippers self-destruct Brooklyn's not there yet. Golden state's not there yet. And it was just this straight line to like, wow. All right, let's get into a Laker series. Who the hell knows? And then Miami, you know, that series, it's a haunting series. Cause you look at like that, that crazy hero, 37 point game, those random quarters where like Iguodala's hitting four threes and Duncan Robinson with five threes. And just, if you really look closely at that game, it was just sitting there. Not to mention they blow the first two. I was going to say, really it's, the first, it's the first two. It comes, if you're a Boston fan feeling regret, it's the first two games. Because And I feel like things- the right team won. I'm, I'm not making excuses. Miami was tougher. And, and when push came to shove, they made all the plays. But man, that was sitting there for the Celts, you know? Well, look. I, how many times have you have you? Be honest. How much? How much Kemba Walker in the trade machine have you been doing? None. None. I I, re- I really like Kemba. Okay. And, and maybe too much. I, Hayward is the guy that um, I think they have to seriously wonder. Is this just jinx from day one? When you have a guy who who breaks his ankle and has one of the most horrifying injuries in the history of the league during the first half of his first game. And then since then has been snake bit left and right. And, uh, you know, even like gets to the bubble, gets hurt in that first game. And it's just like, are we just better off moving on um, for both sides? Is it better for Hayward to move on? He's got all this baggage now with the Celts and um, they really got to figure that part out. Well, he's got one year left, assuming he opts in um, and then can dictate his own future if he wants to. Um He's an interesting guy this summer. All right, Mr. Simmons, you got to go. Um, thank you, as always, for your time. People know where to find your podcast, the Bill Simmons Podcast, at TheRinger.com and Spotify. Uh, who we got Who we got this week? You had, you had what's the guy's name? Cooper Rafe? From, yeah, Cooper Rafe, I, yeah. So I watched that movie. I haven't even listened to your podcast. I watched that movie only because I saw it in the headline of your podcast, and I saw Fennessy tweeting yeah. loving words about it, and Fennessy is my go-to movie recommender. Uh, and it, it's quite good. It was yeah. really a nice. It was a. It was spouse friendly. It was like a very good little Friday night. You know, that my wife minutes. also loved it. It's a very good, uh, very good date movie. I'm really happy that during this podcast, I finally broke you. And uh, you know, you people can't see the zoom, but when I with the Embiid George thing, all the life sank out of your body, and you just started <laughs> playing with your hair, and you just got upset. You were rattled. <laughs> It I was, was rattled. No, I, I felt upset. it coming. I was, Ten I trades. Was I was rattled. You hit me. You hit me with like you like you hit me. Hit me with the left hook to the body that I wasn't expecting, and I just didn't know what to do. I'm so ready for some sort of gigantic and B trade. I don't think they'll do it, but it's so much fun because he's a guy that if he got in shape could be one of the three best players of the league. So that's what you're trading away is the potential of that. I feel but, like I'm going to be saying that in 2028. That's like, the I'm going problem. to be like 15 pounds heavier with less hair. And like, I'll be like, well, if he just, if he's, if he just got in shape. It's, right. You know, um, but remember we were saying that about Shaq and then he got in shape. 
You Prime know, Shack was and, in Mods. All right, go go do your thing, Mr. Simmons. Thank all right. you very much. Best to Thanks, Zach Lowe. Good to have, see you. Have fun out in LA. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.